this morning. So this morning we're going to continue with our series of dethroning mammon, and this is the third week. And in the last two weeks, Danny and Claire have taught us and encouraged us to think not just in terms of mammon as money, or even to think of that in itself as something that is wrong, but it is about the attitudes and the values that we live by, and what it is, or who it is, that we prioritise. And I think today's challenge could probably be summed up by um, John 10.10, 10, actually, which says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The economy of mammon compels us to hold on to what we have because we fear it will run out. The economy of God, the deeper truth, is the economy of manna, the freedom to trust by faith in his abundant and extravagant provision. So let's just take a moment to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus And thank you that we are in your presence now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you enable each of us to hear this morning what it is that you want to speak to us. That not one of us would be the same person as we leave. Because whenever we encounter you, we are transformed. Ask that in your precious name, Lord. Amen. So let's just uh, set the scene. Bethany, small village, a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, nothing special. But it is the home of Lazarus. And there's a bit of a party going on. Quite a good excuse for a party, really, because Lazarus was dead. And now he's not dead, he's alive. And not only that, he sat right next to Jesus, who is the reason why he is alive. So you can imagine people are very excited. There's a real buzz about the place. Martha, busy in the kitchen. Good old Martha. She's always in the kitchen, isn't she, doing what she should be doing? Because that's what she should have been doing in the kitchen. It was all the men reclining around the table being waited on. Mary should have been in the kitchen as well. But she's not, is she? Because in the midst of all of this, Mary just comes in front and centre with her hair down which straight away was crossing all sorts of cultural barriers and was making quite a statement. So she walks into a room of men with her hair down, carrying a pint of nard, a really, really expensive perfume. It's suggested uh, that by today's money, that would have been worth about £25,000. And so she comes in, And she gets down on her knees on the floor. And I think we've got a picture for this, actually. She gets down on her knees on the floor, because normally anointing, you would do that over the head. But she anoints Jesus' feet. She couldn't get any closer to the ground. And then as she pours the nard over her feet, over his feet, she uses her hair to wipe it. Judas from his more lofty position, is looking down on this scenario. 
And it's clear from John's gospel that he's sort of signposting the trajectory, if you like, that Judas is on. You know, he's the one who's embezzling the money. He's the one whose heart is hardened. He's the one who will betray. And so he's the one who in this gospel says, possibly what others are also thinking, what a waste. What a waste. A whole year's wages poured out in a moment on Jesus' feet. Not even a proper anointing. What is this woman doing? What about the poor? What about, you know, all the plans I've got for this revolution that Jesus is going to lead? Just think what that money could do for that. What a waste. Jesus, though, affirms Mary's actions. As she looks up at him from her space on the floor, he affirms her act as prophetic, that somehow she has glimpsed that this ointment, which is usually saved and put aside for anointing at burial, she's actually doing it now, because in some way, there is this awareness of what is to come. Her worship is, it's abundant. It's certainly extravagant. It's definitely embarrassing, rebellious, compelling, out of control. She's well aware of the poor, but when she looks at Jesus, somehow she sees beyond the humanity and glimpses the fullness of his divinity. She looks at her brother, sat next to him, and although her heart must have been overflowing with joy and wonder at how this can be, she recognized it was only a sign of what was to come. In that moment, she saw life after death, but she looked at Jesus and saw life before death as well, and the death that would come, which would bring life forever for everyone the final resurrection. So she worships Jesus, her Lord, with absolutely everything she has, which includes her most treasured possession. But she's laid her reputation at his feet. She's laid her pride at his feet. She's worshipped through her embarrassment. She is compelled to worship because of the abundant love that she has for him. So, what are the treasures then that we hold or even we hold on to? And we've looked at these over the last couple of weeks, but I'm just going to have a look at them again. So, money, we can't get away from that being one of our treasures. Most of us have some money, a little or a lot, that we make decisions that we are free to choose how we spend And I wonder if we ever catch ourselves saying, well, that was a waste. I wonder if in the recent days when we've seen the appeals again to help those who are in famine, if we say, well, I did it before, we're back there again. What a waste. Or maybe um, we think it won't make a difference. What will our little bit make a difference there. It would just be a waste. 
When Danny and I got engaged, um, Danny was actually a volunteer in the church at the time, so he had no income, but he wanted to buy me an engagement ring. So he cleared out his entire bank account, which was just under £100, and he spent all of it on my engagement ring. Now, in lots of ways, you could say that was really foolish. We, we, you know, we were sort of, we were going to get married quite quickly, and we needed a home, and we, we had nothing. We'd been students. Maybe we should have used that money on a toaster. <laughs> but it was, an, you know, it was a generous, abundant act of love that Danny spent all of his money on the ring. What about cathedrals and church buildings? Do we see that as a waste? When we give our money to those sorts of things, do we think, well, they could use it for something else? Just think of those beautiful cathedral buildings built at such cost in every sense of the word, which proclaim God is alive today, hundreds of years in some cases, thousands since they were built. Maybe we think, okay, well, I've not got a problem with holding on to money or wealth, that's fine. What about your family, your friends? your extended family? How do we hold on to them? In what ways do we sometimes say, well, that was a waste? You know, I find I can think about my own life, but I've been really challenged when I look at our sons. And the times where you've sometimes been tempted to say, well, that's not what I expected to happen. We have to let go of the scripts that we might have for others sometimes so that we don't say, well, that's a waste of a good education. Or why is that person doing that for work? They could be earning so much more, they could have much better status, they could be far more important, but they've laid that aside in order to be free, in order to follow the call that God has placed on their lives. So, you know, are, are our homes open to others? Do we share our family and friends what about our time? Perhaps one of the biggest challenges. Do we think sometimes, well, that was a waste of time spending that hour with that person because I did that last week, the week before. I'll probably be here again next week. What a waste of my time. They never listen to anything I say. Makes no difference. Do we say sometimes, well, that was a waste of time doing that job. Nobody notices would it have, you know, nobody told me, thank you. What a waste. Do we even sometimes, on a Sunday morning, think, well, that sermon wasn't very good. I didn't like the song choices. That was a waste of time. I'd have been better off at home doing something else. You see, we look at Judas and we judge him quite quickly, don't we? Because he had his limited view. There's a, a neighbour of ours called Andy and uh, Danny and I bumped into him again yesterday. He's, he's amazing. He's a lovely, lovely chap. And he, he gardens. And his little patch of garden's beautiful. But he's so generous. He doesn't stop there. He does other bits as well. And yesterday as we came, he was literally going along cutting brambles at the side of the road. Quite a distance away from his own home. That's not a waste, is it, of his time? But some might view it as such. It'll, the brambles will grow again. Maybe it's career, maybe it's status, maybe, you know, some of us um, don't dare to ask the question. Our, our jobs might be making us ill, might be causing stress in our relationships and our families, 
but actually we still don't ask that question about whether it's something that we're holding on to too tightly. There's nothing wrong with career and ambition or any of that, but if it's making us ill, why are we not asking, is this what we should be doing? Because we're afraid of scarcity, we're afraid of what comes next. It's through worship that all of this becomes sorted. It's by centering on Jesus. It's by not having Judas's look down narrow view, his agenda, which controls him and traps him. It's about Mary's position of looking up and wondering who this is, how the world has changed, what's going to happen now. Judas is defined by what he has, by what he holds on to. Mary is defined by what she gives. She's out of control. She's abandoned in her praise. I wonder when was the last time you were out of control? When you actually chose to let go. Um, For me, it was last Monday. At college, worshipping. We always start the day at college worshipping. There's about, I don't know, 150, 160 people there. All the lecturers, any visiting lecturers, all of uh, the students. And it's really great. And a student always leads it every week. And so this particular student had led it. And there was a time of ministry afterwards. And I just thought, oh, no. God's asking me to go and say something. Right at the back of the church. It's quite a long way over there. There's ministry going on. There were lots of chaps being prayed for, but not many women. And I thought, oh, that's not right. There's some women here that God really wants to minister to this morning. I'm going to have to say something. So I was fine. Went up. Microphone wasn't working, so only half of what I said, I think, got out. Nobody came forwards. I felt absolutely foolish. I thought, well, you asked me to do it, so I did it. But I thought, you know, what a waste. But really interestingly, somebody came and grabbed me at coffee break and said that was for me, but I didn't get out of my chair. I'm really sorry. Will you pray with me? And then actually it only occurred to me this morning, the rest of that day... Um, I found myself in conversations, starting conversations, which are, the, which are the sort of conversations that I normally avoid and just sit quietly by. But I found myself speaking up on a particular, a particular issue and um, I thought, yeah, stepping out, letting go, making myself foolish, God graciously answered it, but then it wasn't just for that person, was it? He then used me again and that little bit of extra Holy Spirit confidence to go and do something that perhaps I wouldn't have done. Nothing we have lived through or experienced is wasted in God's kingdom. Nothing. And I wonder sometimes if we're tempted to think that our prayers and our worship have been wasted because we haven't seen them answered in the way that maybe we would have liked to have done or as quickly. But nothing is wasted not the disappointments, not the doubts, not the joys or the successes, not the struggles, not the dark days or the sunny days. All can be part of our worship, can be poured out for our Lord. Mary was just a nobody from a small village. 
miles from, you know, a couple of miles from Jerusalem, but 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her. We know her and her sister Martha really well from the Gospels. We've got real pictures of who they were. Mary's not afraid. She's not limited by cultural expectations of the day. She gave everything in her worship. The fragrance of that perfume filled the room. I bet it did. A whole pint. I wonder how long it lingered in that place. I wonder how long it lingered on Jesus as he walked through those days, as he went to the temple, as he went to Gethsemane, to Caiaphas' house, as he went to the cross. Was there still that little hint of that fragrance about him, of Mary's worship? Was it there in the empty tomb? I'm sure it would have had an impact far beyond that moment that it was poured out. And I wonder what would be the impact of each of us pouring out all that we have in worship. What would it look like if our hearts were transformed and our minds were renewed to see things the way that our Heavenly Father sees them instead of our limited earthbound view? What would the impact be in our homes, with our friends and family, workplaces, bank accounts, in our church. As I close, I think there are two questions to ask ourselves this morning. If you don't know already, what is it that God is calling you to let go? Or if not let go completely, hold a little more lightly. And what are you holding on to that is defining you? Maybe even trapping you. Remember, there's nothing wrong with having friends, family, money, status. None of that is wrong. Unless we put it above Jesus. It's about our attitudes. It's about what we value. It's about having integrity in our lives that how we live matches up to what we say. It's about living free, not bound by fear. And, and that's when we control stuff. We control stuff when we're afraid. Yeah, this, this is <laughs> someone who knows. So, this morning, dare to ask the question, be freed from fear. Be freed from needing to control and embrace abundantly, extravagantly, rebelliously, embarrassingly, whichever of those adjectives you know is the one that appear, you know, is you that you need to step into. Grasp hold of that this morning and step into what God has got for you. To trust in him. Amen. Thanks, Debs. Let's just have a moment to be still and reflect on what we've heard.